You're listening to TNM Coaching Unplugged. TNM Unplugged features the diverse perspectives of a thriving global community of coaches, leaders, and experts. And it's all for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to TNM Coaching Unplugged podcast and Zoran Todorovich Interconnected podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you today because today it's time to shine. We're going to shine together with a very, very dear and near friend of mine. It's always amazing when you have people that you love, that are close to your heart at your podcast. It feels like you're inviting a very good old friend for a chat. And I really hope you're going to enjoy our conversation today because we're going to dive into different places where we're going to invite you to really start shining your light. So let me tell you a little bit more about my beautiful friend and guest, Mats Kornerup. He is the founder and then co-founder of Shambhala Jewels, founder of Shambhala and then co-founder of Shambhala Jewels. Shambhala Jewels was co-founded with his brother, Mikkel, and they both had a burning desire to revolutionize men's jewelry. They've done so since the 2005, so they're at the market for a long time. And Shambhala Jewels is founded upon ancient Eastern philosophies and traditions with a strong Nordic design craft and business traditions as well. So they bring those two worlds together, the ancient and the new from the Nordics, which creates a beautiful sense of this lovely brand that you're going to experience through our conversation today. They also had a strong faith and they have a burning willingness and desires to do things differently. They also have courage and they also managed to challenge established jewelry industry and that makes Shambhala Jewels really shine and stand the test of the time. One of the most beautiful quotes that I read on their website from Mats was that they exist to remind humans to shine with love, joy, compassion, and wisdom, and then together we can shambalize. So let's shambalize together. Let's dive into this conversation. It's going to be surprising. I'm going to ask Mats a lot of different questions about his spiritual journey, his journey into the business, his own challenges in life right now. And I'm sure we're going to learn a lot from Mats today. So welcome, Mats. Thank you. Pleasure to be here on the podcast, to shambalize a little bit. To shambalize a little bit and to shine. You know, what I love about your brand is this kind of invitation for people to get in relationship with their inner essence of who we really are, and then to show that inner essence to the world so we can shine together. And now more than ever in our lives, the shining, positive, good energy, love, joy, compassion, encouragement is so necessary in this world. And you're doing that. So let me start with asking this question, your journey into Shambhala. I mean, you know, how did it start in your life and what really inspired you to take that, I would call it spiritual journey into that craftsmanship and to discover and found the Shambhala Jewels? Well, I, I think it start, started very early in my teens with, with, a, with a deep-rooted curiosity of, of getting to know humans on the planet. And so very early, I know I wanted to travel, I wanted to experience. And I think that that was, was really what was the big trigger. And then me leaving Denmark and, and started exploring Brazil and later on America. Um, always having been interested in dressing, adorning, looking my best, dressing mm -hmm. the part, uh, making, you know, the everyday 
look beautiful and, and, and inspire other people. And that was really where it all started. And then, then the coincidences, you know, they, they piled upon each other. And I originally thought I was going to be a photographer because that was what I thought was going to take me around the world. Um, I had no knowledge within jewelry, had no family within jewelry. Mm-hmm. And that was a gift that was given to me um, when I was assisting in New York back in the early 90s. So the right people showed at the right time on your path and they were kind of guiding you towards that direction. Yes. Um, I, I think I've, I've always traded. I've always bought and sold. So that, that, that is very strong, runs strong in my blood. Um, our lineage, Kornerup, comes from a small city called Kornerup outside of Roskilde, the big uh, Viking museum mm-hmm. in Denmark. And, and our great ancestors used to trade between Copenhagen and Roskilde back uh, 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think that that still runs in my blood, and I always traded. So I started buying jewelry from India and selling them in New York to photographers, models, editors. And then one thing led to another. Yeah. And that combination with the East and North Nordic countries, how did that play an instrumental role in, in founding Shambhala? What was the calling from the East for you? I think that the calling from the East was that in our upbringing up here in the North, there is not a lot of storytelling. There is not a lot of mythology. There, there is not a lot of ancient wisdom that mm-hmm. is passed through. Every, everything is going forward. Everything is, is creating a career. So, so once I started, how do you say, once I started um, discovering mm-hmm. stories of, of Eastern philosophy, of ancient wisdom, it, it resonated so much with me. It was like a learning that, that I was never taught. And, and there was something that was definitely missing in my life. So I, I totally absorbed it. But I think it really came strongly when I started practicing yoga in the late 90s in New York, because mm-hmm. I hadn't really ever taken a conscious inhalation mm-hmm. and then letting go on the exhalation. So, so for me, focusing on the breath in the end of the yoga class, enjoying mm-hmm. my yoga postures was something completely new and, and, mm-hmm. and marvelous. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you brought that spiritual practice back into your life and you reconnected to that lineage that we kind of forget, you know, to the storytelling and Asian uh, traditions, basically. And that's something that really came through, as I see, through the Shambhala and then later on Shambhala Jewels. Yeah, it, it, it's um, the name Shambhala, again, it came as a coincidence. I didn't know what to call the company back in 1993. I was 23 years old and suddenly the the business had taken off in the photo studios in New York and Ralph Lauren was buying my, my, my jewelry that I was importing from India. Mm-hmm. And I needed to find a name. And of course, Valhalla is, is, is the mythological place of, of, of the Nordic gods. Mm-hmm. But it was almost, it was too common. It was too easy. It was lots of things called Valhalla and, in Denmark, so it didn't feel right. And while I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, visiting a friend in, in a Buddhist settlement, there was a place called Shambhala. Mm-hmm. And, and it just 
it ringed, it resonated, it called me. And when I came back to New York, I registered it as, as the name of the trading company. But I actually had no idea what the meaning was, where it really came from, what it signified and represented. And it wasn't until years later that um, I opened up a shop in Paris and still nobody really knew who knew what it was. The logo in Paris for the jewelry was a snake. And then we changed location to New York in 1995. And we changed the logo into a double Vajra, which is this symbol that I'm wearing here on the ring, which, which is a very sacred Buddhist symbol that represents the energy of the universe. And somehow, again, this symbol found me and found Shambhala. And we combined the two elements in New York. So we put the name on the shop and we put the big double Vajra outside the store. And within a couple of months, Buddhist practitioners, Western Buddhist practitioners and, and Buddhist monks, uh, Nepalese monks, Nepalese Buddhists started coming into the shop and sharing their wisdom and sharing their information about the name Shambhala and, and the, the symbol of the double Vajra, the double Dorji. And it turned out that the name Shambhala was, was a beautiful story about an ancient kingdom in the Himalayas, where the king of Shambhala, he heard about these crazy, long, dread-haired uh, men sitting in the southern foothills, meditating or astral traveling, uh, traveling out of body into the universe or into the inner universe. And of course, as being a king, he wanted to possess this power and set out to find these men and learn these techniques. And, and so him and his entourage traveled over the mountains and found this group of men who were meditating in the forest. And the story goes that he learned this sacred meditation and he brought it back to his small kingdom, which at that time probably just was a little valley in the middle of the Himalayas, beautiful fresh water and or what do you say, it's spring, autumn, winter, summer times. And he defied the esoteric laws at that time, which was that you only kept magical esoteric teachings within the priesthood and within royalty, but he taught it to all his commoners in the little kingdom. And the story goes that through a couple of generations, they became so in tune with themselves and with each other's values. And of course, at that time, it was easier because you had the baker, the farmer, um, the mom, the, 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 all the elements in it, the blacksmith in the city that you need. And without one of them, you're missing a link in the chain. So they really started understanding each other's worth and, and became appreciative of each other, no matter how wealthy or how wise you were. And the story goes that over a couple of generations, they stopped to exist on this frequency and they transcended into the next realm. And then the story kind of goes, disappears. But then when the Tibetan king got converted into Buddhism from Bern by a Nepalese and a Chinese Buddhist princess, the story came back as a place of deep meditations, as a place where you go once you have let go of your aspects of fear, which many of the philosophies they talk about. If you can let go of fear, if you can let go of, of your root fear, which being fear of death, because most likely we're the only mammal who knows that we will die. Maybe the elephants and a couple of whales do too, but 
we're really aware of it and we think about it our whole lives and we're pretty scared of it in general. So, yeah. so their philosophy is that if we can get to a point where it's no longer scary to die, that we understand that either we, we reincarnate or we become something more and grander, that we become one with the creation of the universe, with the energy of the universe, then that fear dies. And when that fear dies, so does greed and envy and jealousy and all the other aspects of fear. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of adapted this into our storytelling around the brand and the jewelry. And to keep a little bit of respect to the, the mark, the double Vajra, I, in, in Kathmandu back in 97, had a vision that I had to draw a new mark. And so inspired by that, I drew what we today call the Star of Shambhala, which is a much more clean Scandinavian graphic illustration of the double Vajra. And when I came back to New York, for me, this was a new double Vajra, but everybody said, oh, this is the star, this is a star. I'm like, no, no, it's not a star. It's, a, it's the symbol of the universe. It's, it's the double Vajra. And of course, again, it had its own life. So it, it is now the star of Shambhala. And it's the guiding star of finding your way to your fear embracing it, understanding it, observing it, and maybe at some point in this lifetime, shedding it. So, so, so our philosophy is that within each piece of jewelry that we make, of course, the design is important, that it's cool and it's beautiful and it, it has an edge, but within each piece of the jewelry, there is a star. And hopefully that star at some point, while you're wearing it, will remind you of these things or will make you curious of these things. And then you'll start either researching on the internet or you'll ask us or you'll ask your friends or your friends will look at it and, and be curious and ask you, what is that? And, and that has always been our philosophy that we don't want to make it too obvious. You have to ignite your curiosity. Exactly. What is the better way to ignite your curiosity when you're wearing something that reminds you on a daily basis and connects you to that uh, element and symbology of all of that? So you mentioned fear of dying. So, you know, I'd love to be really straightforward in this podcast. And I ask, I ask usually challenging questions. Are you afraid? Of, no, of no, no, I'm not. And I don't think I've ever been. Um, I've, I've been extremely fortunate. Um, I remember being on tall houses and tall bridges and, and having the thought of, wow, if I throw myself off the bridge now, I will <laughs> what die. Will happen? <laughs> what will happen? Where will I go? What will be the next? What will be the next after this? Mm-hmm. And I remember that I've always, the thoughts will always be, oh God, there'll be so many sad people. My family, I would really be too sad. Mm-hmm. That, that you can't do that. <laughs> But it, it was never because I didn't want to live. I think it was the curiosity of what lies after life that that thought was. And then I think later on in life, I was introduced, yeah, when I'm 52 now, and about eight years ago, I was introduced to ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And through the drinking and the ceremonies of of spending seven hours inside of myself awaiting what the the mother plant gives you it definitely 
supported my non-fear of dying and, and showed me all the aspects of what is in, in parallel world, other world. I mean, there's a, it's, it's called the spirit molecule, the active ingredients in ayahuasca. And I really felt that, that there was much more between heaven and earth than just the dimensions that we know. And I think that also opened up my, again, my, my embrace, my curiosity of, of what lies after this life. And not to end this life, but to, uh, to understand that this life is an immense gift and that we really have to be in service in this life. I myself struggle with that constantly with family and business and things that goes on and, and interrupts and diverts. But I've always felt that we are the gardeners. We are the caretakers of our planet. And we're not always taking that great care of our garden, but we can and we should. And we should remind each other all the time, how do we optimize this beautiful garden that we live on? How do we take care of it as, as best as possible? And again, I'm hoping that the Star of Shambhala reminds my collectors and clients to just be a little more conscious. Now, I, I'm not talking radical change. I'm, I really believe in, in small changes that then can create an avalanche at some point. Definitely. You know, I've realized that when I was wearing Shambhala Jewels myself, I'm still wearing it. Whenever I put it on, there is, a, there is an energetic blueprint there that immediately links you to that star and initiates that moment of remembering or being mindful and being present in the moment right now, being conscious of your breath. And I love that about your brand because sometimes the fashion industry can be very superficial. You know, we can just create products for the sake of products and to fulfill the desires of consumers. But what I found out since the first moment we met that your brand is really conscious and it's, yes, offering the beauty, which is absolutely remarkable. And you really do shine when you wear it. But at the same time, it's calling you to remember the deeper aspects of yourself and to become mindful, present, to be in relationship with yourself in a completely different way. And I think this is the power of it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, and it's, I, I have to say it's working because the, the encounters that I have with, with our clients and, and collectors, the stories that they tell of, of what the bracelet or the necklace or the ring has done for them and how they feel when they wear it, mm -hmm. it, it just supports what we're already doing. Yeah, beautiful. Great that you have this feedback. I want to kind of shift into the next conversation because yes. I know that we kind of talked about this a little bit in preparation. So based on your journey so far in your life, do you believe that life chooses you or you make choices in life? Meaning, do you feel yeah. that throughout your Shambhala journey, you were the one who was choosing everything or you just became at service to something and that was choice already made for you? How do you relate to that? But in my case, I definitely believe that I was chosen mm -hmm. or led mm -hmm. um, to this because th there was at no point that, that I had sat down and said, I want to do jewelry. I want to do it this way. I got to find a name. What kind of different names do we have? Okay, we have mm -hmm. five names. Let's choose the best name. 
what kind of logo then we do the logo what should our uh, what's it called uh, how why and when yeah i don't even know what, yeah, 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 yeah. what is your why yeah exactly so you, you know all of that so it was happening spontaneously which is absolutely wonderful and a lot but, of the people are struggling with that so my kind of further question to this how did you manage to allow this to happen in your life because i can see this you you basically allowed things to happen through your life without resistance i think it especially the resistance that that's an important thing if you resist something new happening of, of course then it will not happen if 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 you block it and um i thought i was going to be a photographer so of course that i could have brushed it off and and said this is just a a temporary thing with with the jewelry mm-hmm. but i think that the the openness and the curiosity of of what the universe gives you versus what you have planned mm-hmm. is super super important to be aware i mean we've had quite a bit of discussions in here about that because my organization here has tried to box me off for years and and uh, of course to too much distress for for all our employees and we've had between 25 and 30 employees here is that they set out a course and a plan and suddenly i get an idea or i get a a whiff of something and we decided to to expand on germany and and switzerland but suddenly something is happening in the middle east or something is happening in russia mm-hmm. something is happening in africa and I'm like listen guys we need to go here we need to go check this out mm-hmm. but it throws the whole organization off mm-hmm. and people are not used to doing that but yeah. and unfortunately we we lose a lot once we start putting the 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 crazy creative channelers into boxes and and structures and 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 plans and i think that the more, what i what i hear out in the world is the most important thing is that when when you have a person like this around you or if you are a person like this it's really important to figure out a way to set yourself or that person in your organization up so that you can get the most out of them because mm-hmm. the ones who are listening to their intuition who are listening to what the universe is actually guiding them towards is really the ones who have the most success and and you also see this in, in small startups that are taken mm-hmm. over by capital investment foundations is that they say when they take the founders out when they take that crazy crazy energy out it loses it's it's oops it loses its character loses the momentum because nobody's listening anymore and then it just becomes a monetary yeah corporation corporation exactly corporation so so how do how this this voice speak to you so when you say that you know if you look back into your life and reflect that you were on the path that you were guided you know you were listening to yourself and you were true entrepreneurial spirit and creative spirit that jumps at the inner knowing now we need to do this and now we need to do that which is completely out of the box how is this voice communicating to you what is your practice to really listen and the reason why i'm asking is because a lot of the people who are listening to you right now they might think i would love to do that you know i would like first of all to be in relationship with my inner voice to hear it and then to act on it so i'm just curious how what is your practice in 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 there i mean in the beginning that there wasn't 
really any practice. I have to admit, I did smoke quite a bit of weed in New York, mm -hmm. which calms you down and takes all the, the, the how do you say? Yeah, it takes all the wants and the needs away. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I started uh, yoga and definitely through the yoga practice and the meditation a couple of times a week that taught me my, my breath techniques. Mm -hmm. So that taught me how to calm down my thoughts when they were interfering. You know, mm -hmm. again, if, if you start, I think very early, even before the yoga, I realized that I could observe myself mm -hmm. and the observation of myself, you know, you take a, take a couple of moments every day and say, okay, what have I been doing? How was I acting? Especially when you tell a story about yourself and how things are going, mm -hmm. it's really important when you're done with that story to a new person, you observe that story and you're like, is this the narrative that I want? Is this the narrative that I want my life to be? Was I telling the story all about the past? Was I telling it about present? Was I telling it about the future? And what was I projecting here? And I've found myself for years dwelling in the past of what I could have, should have done. Right. Like all of and, us. Most of us do that, right? And it's so important that you're verbalizing that. Go ahead. And I even, I, I had, in 2005, I had opened up a small yoga studio when I came back to Denmark and together with the jewelry shop and a wonderful yoga teacher, yoga guru called Godfrey Devreux had a, had a teacher training camp in, in Northern Italy. And I went there for 30 days and every day he explained to us in different ways of, of analyzing the yoga sutras that everything that has happened, happened exactly like it was supposed to it could not have happened any other way mm -hmm. and everybody all 30 40 people thought that the first week or so because yeah but would have if i changed it i could have no but i should have then things would have mm -hmm. been different today mm -hmm. and i think that even even though things are super super bad even if though you you're, you're caught for years in the same black hole in the same yeah, I don't know what you call it. Repetitive cycles. Repetitive cycles. Mm -hmm. If you observe yourself and if you have the faith in the universe, you will get out of it. And I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that we're so, how do you say, we're so indoctrinated, we're so conditioned to have to make money, to have to, make enough money to get a house, make enough money for the family, make, make enough money for the kids. So it all becomes about money and making money and survival when today it's not really about that anymore. Today, we're getting into a new era where if we trust in the universe, it will provide, I promise you. Mm -hmm. It will provide, but we do have to have trust and we do have to have curiosity. Because the moment that we resist, it mm -hmm. doesn't provide. The mm -hmm. moment we start doubting and questioning it, it doesn't provide. Well, I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to be the photographer. Or I was supposed to go be a building engineer like the rest of my family. But I didn't question it. I'm like, ooh, there's some jewelry here. Ooh, it makes money. Ah, it actually made more money than I did as an assistant. 
okay, maybe I should pursue this yeah. way. Yes, that's the reason why I was asking how do you listen? Because sometimes this voice is inside of ourselves, the voice of intuition and gut feeling, and it's, it's gentle, right? It doesn't it's really... super, super quiet, yeah. And it often right. comes through other people. I just talked about a friend about this yesterday who mm. said sorry that he was being a little hard on me, that he thinks that I should outlive my full potential. And mm. I blocked him after that because I know he was right. But it was too early for me. Mm -hmm. And then he apologized yesterday and I said, Gona, I know it was not your ego or it was not even you talking. Mm -hmm. I know that I was channeling something in my energy was activating you yeah. to utter these words to me. So what's super important sometimes is that listen to what people around you suddenly say, especially if they baffle you or startle you. You're like, yeah. Why did that person say yeah. this to me? Yes. Oftentimes, it's not that person talking to you. Yeah. It's actually you talking to yourself. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is that you call those, like, angel-y things, guides. They yeah, have a yeah. name. Self, you know, the archangels, angels, and everybody else. And, and I, really, I really believe that they can activate another human being across yeah. from you to utter and, and use words to explain to you what you need to know at that moment. Mm -hmm. So it's super, super important. Ah, oh, that guy is just being uh, judgmental of me or that girl is just being something. Try to listen an extra time because maybe it's not that person talking to you. Maybe it's your, yourself communicating with yourself. So you're open to hear that. And we're all practicing that. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's more difficult. So when it comes to synchronicity and, and, and in life and then, Synchro destiny. So things are just happening in synchronicity. What I'm hearing from you as you're talking is that you've been aligned to recognize the synchronicity and to be in the flow of life. Do you see yourself like that? I, I would love to be aligned, and sometimes I am. I think it's what, what the driving force here is curiosity. Mm -hmm. That you're curious. Something, something, something happened, and you're curious to what that was. Mm -hmm. I always kind of try to tell that when I walk in a new city, I love if there's an open uh, gate into a backyard, back courtyard, mm -hmm. I walk in there. Mm -hmm. I get thrown out. Maybe sometimes, yeah. oftentimes there's nothing in there. Yeah. But once in a while, there is like a beautiful oasis in there. And I come out again like, wow. Or there's an old building in a backyard. But if you don't have the curiosity to explore a little bit, mm -hmm. of course, you don't start uh, picking the lock and walking into the houses. No, I'm saying. <laughs> but, you, you know, just go a little bit out of your way. Yeah. And explore and be curious. Yeah. And allow yourself to explore and be curious. Because sometimes, you know, I'm walking in the cities and I'm observing people with the technology that everybody it's on the Google maps and everybody has a direction they, they need to go and uh, the point A to point B. And I'm remembering now as you're talking that how beautiful it is to let go of that and to allow yourself to explore without your digital device and to allow the life to surprise you through your curiosity. So you've been taken into some kind of situations and circumstances you never even thought it's possible. So this is your invitation. Be curious, right? Yes. Be curious. 
not in the sense you don't have to ask too many questions, but be curious and follow your, your intuition and your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's, it's not curiosity. What was that from? How was it made? What's the mm-hmm. year? Was mm-hmm. the designer? Mm-hmm. It's more being curious on feelings. Oh, wow. Mm, what smell was that? That's beautiful. Or what was that that I saw? Why am I feeling this right now? Mm-hmm. And follow that. At least that's what I tell myself. Don't be too academic about it. Mm-hmm. Be curious and follow your feelings, follow your intuition. Yeah. And those feelings and those intuitions and curiosity will, of course, put us into this synchro destiny or synchronicity because when life becomes or starts being synchronous through the synchronicity of the place then the surprise happens my experience is that whenever we allow yourself to get in there then life surprises you with the things that you never planned anticipated thought about and something happens beyond your imagination even and then new things do open so it's a, it's a beautiful way to live like that so to say yeah and i I have to say that that the more rested you are, so sleep is super important. Mm-hmm. The less alcohol you consumed or joints you've smoked, the clearer you are. The, the more exercise that you've implied into your everyday, the clearer you get, and and the more in sync you get, and the synchronicities happen more often. It's almost like neurons shooting, shooting, shooting. Mm-hmm. So, so the other day, I, I'm writing my friend who unfortunately got cancer in the throat, and probably he got it because he needs to experience it himself so he can help other people with it because that's what he wants to do in his life is that he wants to be in service and, and help people and have a healing house. And I was reading about this, this wonderful guy called Aubrey Marcus, mm-hmm. has a wonderful community over in, in Austin, Texas, and, and also does some great podcasts. And him and, and Charles Eisenstein, who is this out of out of context uh, economist, and I really thought that for him and for me and for you, it'd be great to go to this festival that they have that's called Arcadia. And so I write my friend Aska next year when you're getting well, we need to go to Arcadia. And he was in Germany at an alternative center. He didn't want to do the chemo and he wanted to do other ways of healing himself through food and, and, and through working with the body. He shows me a picture of him coming out of this center he's at in Germany and the center is called Arcadia. I love that story. And I mean, uh-huh. it's constantly, these things happen all the time. So it, it means that we're constantly on a frequency. Maybe we're even communicating and listening. Mm-hmm. on another level or realm that we don't know about yet. Mm. But I, I believe that we haven't explored, you know, a fragment of what the human consciousness and the human body is actually capable of. And we are, and we are. The positive timelines are in the place we will experience this. So yes. we're getting kind of closer to the wrap up of the, of the yes. our podcast together. So now we're in 2012. 12, 22. <laughs> I'm, I'm back in time. 2022. <laughs> it's linked to 2012 as well. It's, there is a significant why I said that. Uh, because 
for example, what Kogi believes is that our Gregorian calendar is a little bit delayed and that actual 2012 is happening 2022, which is the new shift, the new millennium, the transformation, the evolution, the breakthrough of human consciousness. So we're all getting there right now. So for you, right now, at this time on the planet Earth, what would you like to communicate to humanity? What do you think is the most important thing in addition to what you said, you knew, you said so far, don't be worried about, don't be afraid of dying. You know, that was the beginning point. The fear of that is something that really holds us back. And through your journey and through your creation, you keep on reminding people to be in relationship to this, to transcend that fear. This is something that you do all the time. You also anchored for all of us this beauty of curiosity and being able to be in the flow, being able to be open to life, being able to be explorer, adventurer, somebody who is in non-resistance, somebody who embraces the life in a way that it comes to you that also created in your business and in your life a lot of success. So in addition to that, right now, at this moment in time for the humanity, what do you think, one or two things that you think it's important for you to share? I, I think for me, the, 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 the most important thing for me, what I see for humanity is that, that we shift from being in service to ourselves and our families to being in service to the planet that we live in, being in service to the garden that feeds us, that gives us fresh air, gives us fresh water. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to require massive initiation. So not just the coming of age initiation that we used to have, because mm-hmm. I, I think I also at 52 need initiation mm-hmm. for change. I know it, it, it's difficult because we still have an older generation, which is my parents, who are very set in their ways and still have their very strong opinions. And, and unfortunately, I don't think we can initiate them. But I do think that our generation here and our children and our grandchildren are ready for this initiation. And that initiation is a, is a release of all conditioning. It's a release of... of the way that, that we have thought things should be, the American constitution. Um, and I think it's super exciting because, as you say, I think that the shift is now that, that uh, with Corona, with Trump, uh, with the Ukraine, with Putin, with what's going on, the awareness of this is, is escalating exponentially. And it, it's a super, super exciting time to be alive in we do need to remind each other that being in service for the planet is the most important thing. Yes. And now head to the Shambhala Jewel store on Instagram and on the website. Remind yourself by, you know, being in relationship to this wonderful jewelry as well so that you can remind yourself to shine and to be in service to others. Mats, thank you so much for being here today. What a pleasure. So much fun. Thank you for having me. Always yes, keep pleasure. on shambalizing. <laughs> <laughs>